0: Good morning. Sounds good to say that. Actually, I always used to, Jayla'd always laugh at me because when I first started speaking, I had no idea how to start a message, so I'd always say good morning. And then I'd practice on her and I'd be like, and she'd be like, good morning. I'm like, and I couldn't start my message, so I'm like, good morning. (laughs) Just felt like I couldn't start until I said good morning. So now I feel like I can preach because I can say good morning. So good morning. (laughs) I actually. It's nice. I love 10.30 because usually at 3, I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but usually at 3, I hit like the 3 o'clock slump a little bit. I feel a little bit tired, and then around 4, I start to pick back up. So so you guys are in for it. Passionate today, and uh, it's going to be a good morning. Um, <clears throat> last week, or whenever I spoke last I shared such an encouraging message. Um, If you guys weren't here, it was like just the most encouraging thing you had ever heard. And the message was called, Die Already. (laughs) So if you weren't encouraged, you probably didn't fully get the message. So I'm going to continue to encourage you to die. (laughs) And I'm going to break down what the heck that means. Um, So I... I'm going to title this one thanks to uh Jacob. I tapped out and you tapped in. <laughs> yes. So hopefully we can't even tap out anymore. Hopefully we're just dead and Jesus jumps in. And uh <laughs> And so what the heck does that mean? I'm going to I'm going to break it down like I got a lot of good scripture that's just going to like whoo, slice and dice us and It's going to be amazing. But I realize realize that a lot of the times, (laughs) I shared this last week, when life is about us, life is the most disappointing. When we make life about us, all of a sudden, we're looking for everybody else to make our day, and we're disappointed when they don't. And so when we live life in this way, we're bound to constantly be discouraged, frustrated, and disappointed. And I believe what's so powerful about the Christian life is no longer is it about us, but it's actually about him. And so now I'm not looking for people to make or break my day. My day is made because I know what he thinks about me, and his thoughts never change. And so... When I show up, I'm not looking for my wife to be something. I'm not looking to come to church and people love on me. You know how many times I hear, oh, it's just no one notices me, no one values me. Well, that's your problem. You're looking for other people to notice you, looking for other people to value you. When if you knew he valued you, you would all of a sudden no longer need this. And I'm not saying we shouldn't need this and I'm not saying this isn't good, but I'm what I'm saying is, if that's not established first, then this is never going to be good enough. And so, Jesus lived an abundant life. And most people, everybody denied Jesus. (laughs) And he wasn't a part of the hurt Christian group who walked around with their head down saying, nobody loves me, no one values me, Judas sold me out, Peter denied me three times. That's whatever, God. I'm not going to die for these people. They all hate me. No one likes me. No. He lived in a different reality because he saw the way the Father saw him. And that was the very life that he lived from. And so... Die already. (laughs) Throw that one in there every so often. Um, But scripturally, I want to break this down. Because... The gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. And sometimes I believe we hear the gospel, and especially when we first hear it, and we're like, oh my gosh, that's good news. But it's so much better than what we realize, and it's something that we can never get enough of. And it's important that we realize if the gospel's not working for you, it's not because the gospel's not working. <laughs> it's because your heart's not believing. And we have to attach our faith and our belief to the gospel, and all of a sudden we see the gospel is the power unto salvation. And the gospel is the power to be free and to live a life abundantly full of God and abundantly full of joy and abundantly full of life. But I believe when we make life about us, we no longer have life. <laughs> John, I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down for you scripturally. Because I, I honestly found myself and I've heard the gospel, and and when I first heard even the kingdom message, it was like my heart came alive. But I do believe, and and I was like, I had such faith, but I believe that sometimes, even for me, I noticed that I started to hear the message over and over again, and all of a sudden, it just became a message. And and I want to say if you're hearing the message and you're hearing this message and it just hears like, oh, I've heard that before. Well, if you're just hearing it before but it's not transforming your life, it's because there's a part of you that's not believing the fullness of the gospel. Because the gospel that's matched up with faith and belief equals transformation. But if there's not transformation in your heart, it's because you're believing a lie or you're believing something that has more power than the gospel. But when the gospel is fully believed, it leads to transformation. So if there's not transformation in your heart, it's because there's some unbelief. And I believe we have to constantly remind ourselves of what this says so that we don't step into unbelief. Because the scripture that I'm about to read, it is so packed full of power. And it is so different than the world that we live around us. That if we don't transform our mind, we'll just hear a message. But it's more than a message. It is life and it is salvation and it is good news. (laughs) And so John 24 says, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I want to read this what I wrote. In humanity, death is defeat, but in the gospel, death is resurrection life. No one agreed with God's plan for Jesus to die on the cross. Everyone thought the devil had won, including the disciples. Many times we are fighting to keep things out of our lives that we just need to die to. We weren't meant to fight sin. We were supposed to consider ourselves dead to it. And so, we're dead. What does that mean? Well, Jesus died on the cross. We all agree on that, yeah? Okay. So Jesus died on the cross, and then he was put into the grave. He was there for three days, and after the third day, he resurrected. Okay? So, Christianity is this. Is you, by faith, Enter into the work of Jesus, which he accomplished on the cross. So you don't actually have to go through what Jesus did. You just have to, by faith, say, Jesus, I receive what you've done. And in receiving that, you're saying, I'm dying to myself. So you, in baptism, we're actually, within the next month, in Jesus' name, we're going to do baptisms. If you haven't been baptized... You will be, so we'll make sure you're good and dead. Um, (laughs) But what you're doing in baptism is this. Is you are saying, you're going underneath the water, which is what? You're associating yourself with Jesus' death. And then we pull you out of the water after the bubbles stop. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. So some of you guys don't know me well enough for me just to like, I'm totally kidding. So, you're put into the water, you're associating with his death, and then you get raised up into newness of life. And so you're associating with the death of Jesus, which he did, and you're resurrecting in newness of life. So when you're dying, every single thing, that you once were, your past and everything is dead, and now your new creation. See, the beautiful thing about Christianity is this, is God didn't want to try and figure out all the little things inside of you and try and work out all of your problems. He had one solution, which is for you to die. (laughs) Because the reality is, so often we're trying to figure out our problems and we're trying to work them out, unwind them, and get the, all the junk settled in our lives. But I believe the gospel says this. It says, no, you're supposed to associate with one man his death and his resurrection. And your solution to your life is the life that you once lived, the problems, the flaws, everything is dead. Now, I'm not saying I'm not against counseling, I'm not against all of these things, but I believe if it's not unto faith and it's not under, under what Jesus has done, what you're doing is you'll never actually walk in freedom. Because it says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And what we have to realize is, Jesus already died on the cross, it is finished. It is finished. Now, I know most of our lives, some of them don't look like it's fully finished, but I believe, like I said before, it's not because the gospel's not finished. It's because we have to line ourselves up in faith to what he says. Am I making sense? I feel like like we're going to get there in Jesus' name. This is such good news. when you realize when you realize that your problems and your lifetime subscription to issues is done with and over with and that's no longer who you are you can have true freedom. Because the beauty of what Jesus did is he took care of everything that once was your enemy. And it's so important that we realize that salvation was in unto changing our identity. And what I mean by that is this is do you realize that when so, often like let's say I looked up this statistic women who are in an abusive relationship they're 80 they're they're 85% what am i trying to say maybe i should just read it they're more likely to go back into that same relationship or to another abusive relationship. Like, the the rate of that is 85%. Okay? And, a lot of the times, I don't know what our rate is as Christianity, but, a lot of times, Jesus sets us free, but, often we go back to go resurrect that dead man. And, it's like, We dug ourselves into a huge pit that there's no way we could climb out of. We were lost, helpless, and we had no chance of being saved. And Jesus met us in that pit and brought us out. And he placed us on a firm foundation. And it's like we put dirt over that hole and that was completely done. There was no return to that old place. But all of a sudden, if we don't realize that Jesus has changed our identity, we want to go back to that same place where we first discovered him. Because we don't understand that he didn't just, he didn't just save us from the pit. He actually changed our identity from sinners to saints. From orphans to sons and daughters. And if we don't realize that he changed our identity, what we'll do is we'll go back to that pit to try and associate ourselves with God because that's where we discovered his love. But Jesus is like, no, I don't want you to associate with that anymore because that's not who you are. I've made you new. And the reason why 85% of women return back to that place is because, guess what? They're still victims inside. But do you realize when Jesus saves you, he buried everything in your past so that he no longer sees you in that way and you're no longer ever identified in that way. So if just think about everything in the past is gone as if you could never remember it. It was never you. It was never your problem. All of a sudden, How could you go back there? You don't even remember how to get back there. Remember, you died to that old man. And guess what? The Bible says in Colossians 3, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Your, Colossians 3, verse 3, your cru- crucifixion with Christ severed the tie to this life, and now true life is hidden away in God and Christ. And Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed, for you are now one with him in his glory. So another way that's written in another translation is you have died with Christ and now the life that you live is no longer how do I say it? the life that you live is no longer yours but it's in him. So Jesus killed you and put the new you inside of him. Okay. So now you got to catch this. This is really important. So now when the Father looks at you, who does he see? Jesus. So the Father looks at you and sees Jesus. Ho, ho, ho. That's some good news. Just think about that. Close your eyes. The Father sees Jesus when he looks at you. Just feel the pleasure of God on that. You see, the problem with us is when we look at ourselves, we see our old man. We see that dead guy. But when the Father sees us, he sees Jesus. And that is actually our access to the Father is that he sees us perfectly the way that he created us. With no flaw, with no blemish. And guess what? that gives us it gives us confidence to approach the father transformation happens when you see the way the father sees you and a lot of the times we're wondering why we're having trouble accessing the Father and experiencing God is because we're coming with our old man to God. And we're trying to receive something that that man can't receive anymore. And we wonder why we feel condemnation. Well, guess what the Bible says in Romans 8. It says, Therefore, there's no longer condemnation for those... Everyone say, for those who are in Christ Jesus. So guess what's happening when you're approaching the Father and you don't feel his connection and his love towards you? You want to know what you're doing? You're stepping outside of Jesus and you're approaching the Father. Well, guess what? There's condemnation in that. You want to know why? Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, guess what? You might be like, well, well, I'm not acting like I'm in Jesus. <laughs> so I, I shouldn't be able to experience his love and his mercy. Well, guess what? For while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. And not only that, is, is, you understand that your salvation came through the work of Jesus. And the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? It means that you're continually working out your salvation, and your working out of your salvation looks like you associating more with his work than your own work. It says that this is the work of God. Everyone say, This is the work of God. God. That you believe in the one whom he sent. It's like one of my favorite verses. It's in John 1, I think. I don't even know the reference in my favorite verse. That's kind of bad. (laughs) Man, this is straight gospel. This is the truth. And if it's not hitting your heart, oh, I promise you, this, like, I I have a really... (laughs) I love all the Christian stuff. But I'm telling you, if this is not the fuel that lights your fire, you're off. you got to understand me. If this is not the fuel that lights your fire, you're going to get off. Because this is your foundation. And, and it's not just a foundation. It's the, and it's the whole thing. Like, you got to understand... The Father looks at you and sees Jesus when he sees you. And if you realize that and you fully believe that, you'll realize that <laughs> you have so much access. And I believe we're trying to get so much access to other things when all we need is this one reality. Man. Oh, I feel the Lord. Oh. I'm going to get saved again right now. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> um Feel Jesus. <clears throat> so I want to read, I want to continue to uh, encourage you and persuade you this is the gospel. <laughs> so, Romans 6 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. think that's where we want to go? Jesus, I just pray this truth would hit us right now. In Hebrews 12, it says that if we deliberately keep on sinning, that there's no other sacrifice for sin. Now, what does that mean? Well, a lot of times we have a problem and we try to apply the gospel, and all of a sudden the gospel, we don't feel like it works for us. So they're like, there must be something else that I need to do. And what the Bible's saying right here is, no, there's no other sacrifice for sin. What it's saying is, one, it says deliberately. So I don't think anyone's deliberately trying to push themselves away from God. But what this says is sometimes we have issues and we have problems, and we try to apply all these solutions when there's only one sacrifice for sin. And that one sacrifice, if you realize how thoroughly the Father has completed the work, all of a sudden you'll realize that sacrifice is sufficient to bring freedom to your life. There's no other sacrifice. There's no other thing that you can't continue, oh, I need to go to church more. I need to pray more. Those are all good things. But what I'm saying is the truth of what Jesus has done is enough to bring freedom to your life and it is complete and there is no flaw in his plan it's done so you got to change <laughs> stop god's not going to change you got to change <laughs> cuz what he's done is thorough and it's complete and it will bring freedom to your life for whom the sun sets free is free indeed But we have to realize that it's him who sets us free. This is gospel. You guys getting this? This is gospel. (laughs) I love the gospel. (laughs) Romans 5.12 When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered human experience, and death was the result. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over all humanity, because all have sinned. Sin was in the world before Moses gave the written law, but it was not charged against them where no law existed. Yet death reigned as king from Adam to Moses, even though they hadn't broken a command the way Adam had. The first man, Adam, was a picture of the Messiah who was to come. Now there is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the gracious gift that we experience. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. It's true that many died because of one man's transgression, but how much greater will God's grace and his gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of what One man, Jesus, the Messiah, did for us. Wow. So listen, a lot of the times we're looking at Adam, trying to figure out and counsel Adam and figure out the flaws since creation. We're like, well, dang it, Adam sinned. Now that sin led to, you know, Abel sinning. It was Abel, right? (laughs) Cain. Cain sinning. (laughs) Cain sinning, and then we're trying to work out all the sins, and we go through these deliverance ministries of like, oh, your great-grandfather sinned, and he was a a mason, and we're like, oh my gosh, that means that you have this tie, and that tie, and this tie, and we're like trying to figure out the sin of Adam. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have fun with that. (laughs) Trace your lineage all the way back to Adam and figure out all the... (laughs) wackiness you have. It's called sin, yeah? Jesus died for your sin. (laughs) Let me say it again. Here's Adam and all the sin over all of humanity and here's you, okay? Big umbrella and we'll call this sin, okay? Here's the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus died for the whole world's sin, (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Do you realize that when we're studying Adam and we're trying to counsel Adam through its darkness, we are simply putting our focus on Adam and therefore we're reproducing Adam over and over again. But the Bible says that you should be born again. Man, why is it so simple yet it's so powerful? <laughs> it's so simple but it's so powerful because often we have all these programs that we're trying to counsel Adam through when Jesus is our model. And you got to understand that the Father isn't looking at Adam, He's looking at Jesus. So when you look at yourself, are you seeing Jesus or are you seeing Adam? Because it says that the gracious gift that was given far outweighs the crime of Adam. <laughs> and the reality is, is when we boast in our sin and we boast in the things that we've done that keep us from Jesus, do you want to realize something? We are elevating our sin, and we're making it bigger than what Jesus did on the cross. So what you're actually doing is you're worshiping yourself in all of humanity. Isn't that what the Israelites got in trouble for? Worshiping idols? Do you realize that when you are worshiping your flaws and the things that you've done wrong in your past, you're actually worshiping an idol? Guess what? That idol is you. <laughs> And you need to die. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is so much freedom. It is so much freedom. Because no longer do we have to worry about ourselves anymore. We have to just see ourselves inside of Jesus. And when we see ourselves inside of Jesus, we'll start to see the way the Father sees us, and then we'll start to become what the Father sees in us. And life is so good because no longer are we comparing ourselves to one another. No longer are we trying to find our identity here. We find our identity here. And now I'm free for you, from you so that I can actually love you. Yeah. Instead, a lot of times we're coming here and we're looking for people to love us. And guess what? We have a broken church because... You were never made to get your identity from anybody else. You're made to get your identity from Him. <clears throat> so, when we're saved, our identity has changed. And Listen, our identity has changed from a sinner to a saint. And guess what? A saint gets to be with God. And a saint is pure. A saint is holy. A saint is no longer a slave to sin. And because that's who you are, and you're like, that's not who I am. I still struggle with this, this, and this. Well, the reason why you're still struggling is because you are trying to fight your way through sin and try and bite your tongue to try and perform and be what God has called you to be. But that's not the way you live free. The way you live free is you die. You die. It says consider yourself dead to sin and alive unto God. So all of a sudden, you, you start a stop associating with your work, and you associate with his work and that he has already completed. And now, it's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives inside of you. So when Christ lives inside of you, it's actually when something comes up, it says that we should resist the devil, submit to God, and the devil will flee from you. So what does that look like? When you're hidden inside of Christ, when the devil comes, he should bump into Jesus. And I don't know if you know this, but the devil doesn't want to bump into Jesus. But where we get caught is a lot of times we step outside of Jesus and we try and fight the devil. And we try and fight the devil by trying to work out our own salvation apart from Jesus, and Jesus is our salvation. Is this like simple, simple, or is this like so simple that it's so deep? (laughs) I can't tell. There's like the looks that I'm getting right now are like, I can't tell if you're like. (laughs) I think we've made this thing a lot more complicated than it is. And we're like, well, I thought that I needed to do all these steps in order to get right with God. No, that was the Old Testament. The Old Testament, they did all these things in order to approach the holies of holies. But it actually says that in the Bible, in Hebrews, it says that actually the veil is torn and that you can approach God with complete boldness, realizing that there has been a sacrifice atoned, the lamb that is gives you access to the holies of holies that's already been slain. And so therefore, you don't have to go through the steps in order to be close to God. All you have to do is receive what He's already done for you. So that gets me to where I want to be. Jesus died for you and for all your mistakes and your flaws. So what does it look like to enter into his death? What it looks like is this, is that everything that's not of Christ in your life, you say, Jesus, I thank you that you paid for that. Yeah. Now, because he paid for it, if, if you pay for something at Sprouts, Jayla likes berries at Sprouts, okay? Say you go to Sprouts, she loves berries. That's like her one condition. It's like, are we going to Las Cruces? we got to make sure we go to Sprouts and get berries from Sprouts. So anyways, your are Jayla. No, we won't say that. You're you at Sprouts getting your favorite thing, okay? You give the cashier the money. They give you the good, right? So Jesus paid for your sin, but there's one condition. You don't get to keep your sin or your past. You must give it to him. So here he is, all your mistakes, all your flaws, he's saying, all right, now that I paid that, you have to give it to me. So what we do is we got to give it to him. So we give him our past, we give him our sin, and what does he give us? He gives us his life. What does his life look like? It's a son of God. So all of a sudden, anger is no longer yours. Bitterness is no longer yours. Unforgiveness is no longer yours. It's actually his. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. I, don't, I, I deserve this. See, that's pride. Because guess what? Pride says I can only get what I've worked for and what I've fought for because that's mine because I've worked for it. That's what pride is. Pride won't receive anything that it hasn't gotten itself. Let me break that down a little bit more. Pride is saying everything that I am is because I've done it. And guess what? Pride points back to you, yeah? Pride is, this is mine because this is what I've done to get it. Well, Christian pride is this, is, oh, I've sinned, I've done all these things, therefore I deserve this. This is my punishment, and I must bear My cross. I must bear my, I must reap what I've sown. Well, the gospel says, no, you must reap what he's sown. And so what it does to your pride is says, yes, you deserve this, but I want to give you this. So you must give up and receive what you've never earned and you've never worked for. And religion says, no, it's prideful, it's arrogant, it's puffed up. It says, no, I'm going to go through these Christian works and all these duties so that I can receive my righteousness and my right standing with God. And let me tell you, that is pride, and it never leads to you being close to God because you can't work yourself to God. You can only receive what he's done for you. Is this making sense? I'm sure you wouldn't tell me if it wasn't, so (laughs) I'll ask you after the service alone. Did that make sense? Um, So the cross kills your pride. The cross kills you because the cross is simply an act, an expression of what God has done. And the reason why we worship him and we elevate him is is because everything in life, in this Christian life, comes through Him. And the more we grow in confidence of what He has done, all of a sudden, what we worship, we behold. And when we behold the cross and the work that He has done, and we worship what He's done, and we continue to to say what He's done, all of a sudden we start to become it, yeah? I'm glad we don't get up here and sing about our flaws and our mistakes like i sin this week jesus i really suck <laughs> like we would all leave depressed <laughs> but a lot of the times that's what we do if we're being honest we're like we're like jesus you're amazing i am terrible and we think that it's humility but it's not humility it's actually pride it's actually religion. And when we start to elevate him for what he's done, and dying looks like this, Jesus, I have anger, I'm mad, here it is. You get that. Jesus, I receive your peace, I receive your life, I receive your patience, I receive your kindness, I receive, I receive, I receive, all of a sudden, boom. Grace hits us and empowers us. Why? Because grace will only empower the work that he's done. it won't empower your own work. Ah. Grace will not empower your own works. it will only empower His work. And so we must boast in His work so that we can live the life that He's called us to live. Yeah? Oof. Jesus. That is like that is good. Wow. Let's let's uh let's receive his life. Let's die. <laughs> let's die to our works, let's die to the old man so that we can just live full of life and in love with Jesus, yeah? Yes. <clears throat> oh I feel like Let's actually, let's take communion together. Does that sound good? Jailer? do you mind getting up? Let's take communion together. Play music and then, can I get someone uh, to, can I get someone to pat to carry the plate around for me? So we can all take it together. So we got the dip method. Grab the bread, dip it. I'm going to walk us through the method. But the most offensive thing that Jesus said was, eat my flesh and drink my blood. You realize everyone was offended by that, yeah? And everyone left except his disciples and they didn't leave because they didn't know where else to go. And so for us, catch this, the most offensive thing is actually dying. In this world, we want to fight, we want to, we, we don't die, like, we fight. But the gospel says die, and in his death you're resurrected. And we eat his flesh and drink his blood because what we consume will actually become But a lot of times we're becoming ourselves because we're constantly introspecting ourselves. We're constantly thinking about all the things that we've done. But when we take this meal, what we are doing is we're saying, I will consume who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And it will become the life that I live through. And all of a sudden, introspection has to break off. It has to go because the life that you're consuming is no longer yours. It's his your life is His. And you will become more like Him when you consume Him. Like, you gotta, you gotta get the picture of what communion is. It's your saying, Jesus, I am receiving. Eat my flesh. Do you realize how intense that is? I'm telling you guys to die, but Jesus is saying, eat His flesh. Drink my blood. Why? Because... In receiving and consuming His life, His life is inside of you, and you're living from that place. So when we take this meal, what we're going to do is we're saying, Jesus, I'm consuming all of who You are. It is no longer I that live, but it is Christ in me, and I'm going to live in the fullness that You have for me today. Because death leads to resurrection life. I'm just gonna sit down here. Yeah, thanks. So let's take this together as family. Yeah. So Father, right now, we receive your body and your blood. And Father, I thank you right now that actually there would be transformation in this room. I thank you that faith is attaching to the gospel right now. I thank you that faith is attaching to the gospel so that we can be free and transformation is happening right now. So, Father, right now, by faith, just say, by faith, I receive your blood and your body. And I no longer live, but Christ, you live in me. Let's just take it in Jesus' name. going to end on this song so if everyone wants to stand we're going to declare this song Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Just let's thank Jesus. <laughs> thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for the life that you have given us. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that we get, to, we get to be seen as Jesus is seen, fully righteous, fully alive, fully empowered, fully loved, fully embraced, and fully free. And so, Jesus, we receive that life, and we go out and we give that life away. In Jesus' name amen. (laughs) Bless you guys. Um, If you need prayer for anything, grab someone. We'd love to pray for you. Um, And if that's all, that is all. (laughs) Have an awesome.